initiator of brainstorming session Koch Badami who prides himself to be called Kojus Badamius Meditations by Kojus Badamius. Dash. Buddha and the Addict, Part 1. Addict, I am not a Buddhist? Will this work? Buddha. Ha ha. Neither am I. I am a philosopher psychologist or something. But, that is not the answer you were looking for I think. Nothing we discuss today will depend on your belief in me or anybody else. Everything should be clear with a little bit of introspection. Addict. Okay. Will I be free of my addiction? Buddha. Not sure. I am going to try to light up a path. Whatever will happen will happen. Addict. Hmm. Okay, I am skeptical. I have tried a lot of things over the years to be free of my addictions. Seems unlikely that this conversation will solve anything. Buddha. Be skeptical. But, try to be honest. Addict, sure, we'll give it a go. Buddha. Let us start with a small experiment. This is what you have to do. Close your eyes for just one minute. And in that minute, I want you to observe your breath. Not breathe harder or slower or anything. Only observe it. Seems like the easiest thing in the world right? Addict. Yes. Also a little boring. Buddha. Ha. Well, it should be boring only for a minute. So, I am sure you can get through it. So, let's get to it, pull out your phone, and set up an alarm. Buddha, a dressing reader. Hi, would be good if you did this too. Especially if you have never tried this out before. The rest of the conversation will not make much sense without it. Addict. Okay. I will set an alarm for two minutes from now. Addict sets the alarm for two minutes from now. Closes his eyes. And begins. Dash. The alarm rings two minutes later. Buddha. So, let me ask you, were you able to observe your breath for that minute? Addict. Well, if I am being honest, no. I was able to do it for a few moments. Buddha. Okay, then what happened? Addict. Then I started thinking about other stuff. Buddha. Like what? Addict. All sorts of things. The slight pain in my lower back. The tingling of my toe. Whether I sounded rude to you at the start of this conversation. How I am going to wrap up a project at work. How this is not going to work. Buddha. So, you are saying that you were not able to observe your breath for just a minute. You were able to stay with your breath for a few breaths and then got carried away by your thoughts. Addict. Yes. Makes me look like I have very little self-control I know. That is why I am an addict right? Is that your point? Buddha. Ha! Not at all. 99.99% of people would have the exact same experience as you. I was expecting exactly this to happen. So, please do not feel in any way bad about yourself. Buddha, a dressing reader. Was your experience not like what addict has described? Addict. Okay, so then what's the point of this exercise? Buddha. Well, to show you that you are not in full control of your mind. Like 99.99% of people. You could not ask your mind to do a particular task for just one minute. It did not listen to you. It did whatever it wanted to do. I would go so far as to say that your mind has an agenda. And most of the time it is using you to act out that agenda. Addict. Oh, come on. I am in control. I choose to move my hand and see, I am moving my hand. I am in control. Buddha. True. I am not saying that you have zero control. I am not even saying that one cannot learn to build some control. I am only asking you to see that you have very limited control right now. 
I don't know exactly how limited. But it's very limited if you could not stay with your breath for even a minute. Addict. You know what, let me try again. I am sure I can do this for a minute. Buddha. Yes, please go ahead. Let me remind you of what you are trying to do. You are trying to observe your breath for one minute. That's it. If your mind wanders to other things, it proves my point. If your mind stays with your breath you have control. Buddha, addressing reader. If you are not convinced, you should also try. 1.5 minutes later. Buddha. Well, how did it go this time? Addict. Not great. Stayed with my breath for a few moments. Then I started thinking about this conversation and how infuriating it is and all. Buddha. Ha ha ha. So, you were not able to control your mind? Addict. No. Buddha. Okay, so, I am not saying all this to annoy you. I just want you to see something. Your mind has its own agenda. You do have some control, but it's limited. Your mind is more powerful than the control you have. Having done this twice, would you agree with me on this? Addict. Sort of. I mean, I always thought that the agenda was my agenda. You are trying to tell me that it's not my agenda. If it's not, then whose agenda is it? Buddha. Great question. I have some theories. And if you want we can go into that later. But, for now, let's say it's not your agenda. I cannot give a definitive answer about where this other agenda came from. But, what I can do is help you to see what this other agenda is like. I can help you study the nature of this other agenda. If we do that, you will have much more control over your addiction. Noticing that there is another agenda was the first step. How does that sound? Addict. Sure why not? Buddha. So, in our last session, we were able to see that within your mind, there is your agenda. But there is another agenda that is different from your agenda. We also saw that the other agenda is quite powerful and not in your control. Would you agree with me so far? Addict. I guess. I don't actually understand what is going on. I have questions. But, yes. What you say seems to be true. Buddha. Great. So, today let us try and explore the nature of this other agenda. Let us try to get to know how it operates. Addict. And this will help me with my addiction? Buddha. Yes. You know how they say, the first step to solving a problem is to acknowledge that a problem exists. This is something like that. In the last session we acknowledged that a problem exists. The problem being control over your mind. But, I do not wish to call it a problem. So, let's stick to calling it another agenda. Addict. Hmm. Buddha. Okay. Let us begin. I am going to ask you a few questions. All you have to do is give me honest answers. Addict. Okay. I can try. Buddha. What is your favorite food in the whole wide world? Addict. Hmm. Egg chicken Kathy roll from Olympia. Buddha. Okay. Not sure what that is. But, tell me. Why do you like it so much? Addict. Because it's tasty. Buddha. Yes. But why is it tasty? Addict. I don't know. It's cooked well with the right combination of flavors or something. That's what makes it tasty. Buddha. So, you are saying that you don't actually understand why it is tasty. Addict. Yes. Buddha. Was there a point in your life where you decided that you found it tasty? A point before which it was not tasty. Then after that, it was tasty. Addict. Hmm. Not that I can recall. 
I always found it tasty from the first time I tried it. Buddha. Now is that not interesting? That's the first glimpse of this other agenda. Do you see it? Addict. No. What? I like some food and find it tasty. What's so interesting about that? Buddha. You said you don't know or understand why it is tasty. You say, you never decided one day that it would be tasty. So, if you did not decide, who did? Addict. I did. The first time I ate it. I did. Buddha. Did you? The first time you ate it did you consciously think? You know what, I like how do onions have caramelized and how they are pairing with the flavors of this mint, etc. Or was it more like you took a bite and found it tasty? Addict. More like the second one of course. Buddha. So, then you did not consciously decide. And if you did not decide then something else within you did the deciding. Addict. Okay, I can almost see what you have to say. But I still do not understand it well. This other agenda is deciding for me if I like Kathy rolls. It seems very odd. Buddha. So it is not like the other agenda is deciding that you like Kathy rolls specifically. It is more like, the other agenda has some preferences on what you should eat. It also has some preferences on what you should not eat. Addict. It does? What does it not want me to not eat? Buddha. You tell me. Even if I paid you a million dollars, what is the one thing you will not eat? Addict. Oh my god. That's an odd question. I guess, something disgusting. Like poop or something. Buddha. Ha. Sure. But why? Buddha, addressing the reader. I am very sorry. I apologize that this conversation has taken such a disgusting turn. But, that disgust that you are feeling is going to help me make my point. So, please bear with me. Addict. Because I would be so disgusted by the sight and smell of poop. And even the thought of eating it is extremely upsetting. Buddha. Have you eaten poop before? Since you are so convinced that you do not want to? Was there a horrible taste? Was there a time you tried it and found it disgusting? Addict. No. Of course not. Yes, but I do see what you are saying. This is one of those food preferences that the other agenda has. Buddha. Yes. What is more, we now get to see how this other agenda influences you. How this other agenda takes hold of you and gets you to act out its preferences. Addict. How is that? I do not see it. Buddha. See, you said it yourself, the thought of eating poop would make you disgusted. You said it's upsetting to even think about it. These are negative emotions and feelings. This is how the other agenda prevents you from doing things it does not want you to do. It fills you up with negative emotions and feelings. Addict. I see. Honestly, I thank it. I would say by doing so it keeps me safe. I mean who knows what diseases I would get if I was ready to do such things. Buddha. Yes. You have hit the nail on the head. There are large parts of this other agenda that are all about keeping you safe. That is why some people might call this other agenda human nature or instinct that you were born with. But, I am not sure I like these terms. They set up the restrictive idea. So, let us not name it. We will stick to calling it other agenda for now. Addict. Yes. That is what it is. Buddha. Anyways, tell me. Would you agree with me if I said that something is tasty if it makes you feel good and happy if you eat it? Addict. Hmm. I suppose that is what is happening when I eat a Kathy roll. Buddha. So, that is the other side. When the other agenda wants you to eat something, it fills your brain up with positive feelings. 
those positive feelings come together and you say, the roll was tasty. Addict. Okay. Makes sense now. Maybe I understand what's going on in my mind a little better now. Buddha. Great. So, I want you to notice that the big tool that this other agenda has is, to make you feel things. Using positive feelings, it gets you to move towards the things that it wants you to go towards. And using negative feelings it gets you to move away from the things it wants you to stay away from. Addict. Okay. I see. I am getting a better understanding of this other agenda now. So, am I a slave to this other agenda and what it wants? Do I not have a say? Do I not have free will? Buddha. Ha! That is a great question. The short answer is that you are not a slave. And seeing that you are pretty slavish is the first step to liberating yourself. Enlightenment is the process of achieving this liberation. Addict. Okay. Got my first step. I still do not see how this helps with my addiction. Buddha. Yes. Let's stop here for now. I want you to do some homework for me before we continue with the next session. Addict. Okay. Buddha. Over the next few days, try this. There will be moments when you experience positive emotions. There will be moments when you experience negative ones. These are the tools of the other agenda. On an average day, you would go where these emotions take you. You would act out their plan. But, now, try to pause and observe what is going on with this other agenda. Ask, what is it trying to make you do? Why? Get to know this other agenda. Addict. Seems hard. But, I can try. Now Kojus Batamus invites the family to, to share their ideas and opinion on the subject. Muhammad L is the first to respond. Brilliant way of conveying your message. I can second guess what this is leading to and I like how the message is being put across. I will jump to a question even before you have completed your narrative. Koj responds. Is not the other agenda a built-up of all the external influences one comes across in his or her life? That question is the basis of the Buddhist idea of not-self. Or at least a big part of it. But, I am using this conversation to very slowly reach to a particular realization. And the above is part of it but not the whole of it. I enjoy writing these and it takes my own ideas to a new degree of clarity. So, let's see where it goes. Sabiha chips in with her observation. Hmm. Waiting for you to zero in on the point. But I am guessing the other agenda is our innate response to the cumulative effects of social conditioning, and like Mohammadi Mama said, past experiences and influences. If one could remove the above elements from one's life totally, social conditioning and expen influences, the other agenda would not have anything to work with to make one feel positive or negative. To which Koj replies. I think past cumulative experiences and influences go all the way to the beginning of time. Via evolution and stuff. And yes Buddha would tell you that you spend your life in a constant state of aversion of bad stuff and craving of good stuff. You've all know how Harari in the book Sapiens has a very good analogy of this. He says it's like a man on a beach looking at the waves. Calling some waves good and some bad. And running her in there trying to catch the good ones and avoid the bad ones. If he just stopped and relaxed and stopped classifying things, he would stop running around and finally be at peace. Not exactly the point I was going for with this. But we'll get there. Sophie B. responds, like the experiential approach and experiential route to the law of survival, or rather to the law of life. Nice. Life's yearning for life. Life's yearning to thrive. Life's yearning to propagate itself. Life's yearning to evolve. It's amazing how life is packaged with an inbuilt protection and survival mechanism. We think we are in control, 
but it is life itself that is controlling us. We are just tiny specks in the unfolding drama of life. Koj affirms the idea. Yes, life's agenda. That's much closer to what the other agenda really is. Closer in the sense all-encompassing. As at Moma Dibhai and at Sabihai have said there is no doubt that vast chunks of our behavior are made up of our experiences and social conditioning. But, the reason why, to me, that is still not the full picture is because we have hardwired behaviors that nobody needed to teach us. Already described one in the article. Here is one more, when standing on the ledge of some high structure like a cliff, terrace of a high building with no railing or paragliding we get filled with a set of emotions usually called vertigo. Nobody had to teach us to feel this way. This is not social conditioning. This is life that left its programming inbuilt in our mind. Without which we would happily walk till the ends of cliffs and sometimes fall off. But life prevents us from doing so. A matter of faith. To enter an area which requires faith, not in religion, but in science. This hard coding is actually coming from our genes. Because where else will it come from? The genes store and create all aspects of our body even when we are being formed in our mother's womb and there was no social conditioning and nothing taught to us. This idea is very well explored in the book, The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins. And the reason why Buddha is my favorite philosopher is because years back, he sat under a tree and did nothing but observed his mind and came to the same conclusions that science is now reaching. Sophie B. responds, my take on the subject. And yes when I say mine, I mean I have validated by experience what somebody brought to my notice by their endeavor. We humans, not distinct from the plant or animal world, come with an inbuilt GPS system, which ensures our survival. However, most times our logical mind tries to bypass this, rather than recognize it. Our subconscious mind is pre-programmed for survival, we will instinctively do anything to keep death at bay. This is so instilled in us that who does not make a valiant effort to revive a dying man? Our subconscious mind surely has a mind of its own and it uses it like nobody's business. And why? It is afraid of the unknown and it is afraid of sudden loud sounds. That is the reason why, anything that is unfamiliar seems threatening, almost life-threatening sometimes. Think jumping off the cliff, going into space or eating insect pecoris in China. Most of us rarely step out of our comfort zone unless it is absolutely essential or when we have little or no choice. When we do step out of our comfort zone, an essential part of our growth, we would choose to take baby steps. Again, a case of life taking charge of its own survival. Another inbuilt programming is, as I mentioned earlier, our reaction with fear to loud sounds. From a newborn babe, through the range of all ages, except those who are born deaf, we react with fear to sudden loud sounds. Ever notice that? About food, a six-month-old baby will crawl to a piece of chalk nearby and happily put it into its mouth because its body recognized the deficiency of calcium. He or she has never heard of calcium, nor were doctors required to give out that brilliant info, not did he or she have the need to check it out with Google God. Our body is more intelligent than we are ready to give it credit. If only we recognize what we are gifted with, honor it and utilize it, life would be way simpler. Thanks to Kosh for leading me to write this exploration. Enjoyed. Hope you enjoy too. Koj, yeah. You have put it well. The Taoists, Taoist philosophy there is an idea of Wu Wei. This is what is printed in the office in the middle of all the other quotes. It means, effortless action. The Taoists give an analogy of you being in a ship in the middle of a mighty ocean. If you are arrogant and think that you are bigger than the ocean you might be able to make progress against it. But, that will be a hard route with a lot of effort. On the other hand, if you acknowledge that the ocean is mighty. 
if you see that the wind is blowing in this direction and the tide is flowing in that direction. And having observed all this, you decide to harness the power of the ocean then suddenly you will start moving effortlessly. This is what they mean by effortless action or wu-wei. There is a mighty ocean within us. The ocean of the subconscious. Subconscious means many things to many people. I just mean, program behaviors that we don't consciously choose. Anyways, if we stop and look at what this ocean is up to. If we learn to see where the wind is blowing and where the tide is going. And if we harness this. We might find that action becomes effortless. This is also what Buddha was asking the addict to do. Just be more observant of the ocean. Subhia opines. When I was telling you something like I am just a thin layer of consciousness sitting on top of millions of years of evolution. I don't actually exist. This is what I meant. The article is a smooth gradient slowly guiding the mind to these ideas. Since if I speed it up, the jump will be too big and it will not be accepted. Oscar Fakrudin. Grateful to you and the enlightened family members for torrents of knowledge hurtling down at me like a waterfall and I am just enjoying this experience and having faith that it will surely benefit my life, so following the wu-wee dictum and insha'Allah today will come over to your place to admire and get immersed in your painting. Koch says, I think the old ideas were far more mature. Like the Taoists and Buddhists etc. Then somehow man got arrogant. Somehow control and power in getting the world to bend to one's desire became a virtue. Not sure why that happened but it did. Hudi Kokar Bolanded Nakihar Tokter Se Pale. Kuda Banda Se Kud Puch Bata Teri Rasa Kia Hai. Sharis like this became the virtue. The heroes of movies are not Zen people accepting reality and clamly working towards their goals. They are big and strong and powerful and trying to break the rock of Gibraltar as you put it. Going with the flow is too silly an idea for them. But maybe some of the old ideas need to be brought back. Because at the end of the day, who cares if you're a big hero if you don't have peace? Looking forward to another interesting session in near future.